I am excited. Wes, do you, I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything, do you have uh, anywhere like a completion date or, or our new website when we're going to turn that thing on? Week or two? All right. All right. Maybe in the next week or so, definitely in the next two weeks, we will have a new website up. And so uh, truly excited about that. It's going to, it definitely is much easier to maneuver and um, up to date. And um, Wes is a talented individual. God has given him some wonderful abilities. And I'm, I'm getting old, Chris. I got to move that because the shadow is on my, on my Bible and I can't see the words. So, but <clears throat> anyway, um, it, it's going to be well done. And we're so excited to be able to have that on. Uh, we will actually have where um, you can download the messages onto your phone where you can listen to them later, like podcasts, those kinds of things. So uh, you can watch the live stream. It's going to be a whole lot easier to get to the live stream and the archives uh, to find the different messages that you want to watch. You can find that easier than you can now. And... Uh, just all, all the different ministries we have <clears throat> will, it's just, it, I'm just excited to see it and uh, praise the Lord that someone with that kind of ability that can do that, <clears throat> willingness to do so and appreciate all the hours that has been spent on getting that done and uh, truly uh, appreciate all of that. <clears throat> My heart was blessed. I went to a, uh, a a fellowship, and it was a missions conference. It's nothing like you've ever been to. It's called Home Missions, and it was at First Baptist Church in Inglewood this week. And uh, but a lot of preachers there from all over the country, and I, I believe it was a, a preacher. I'm not sure, but he played a saxophone special. Uh, I, I it just is phenomenal. I'm still amazed. My heart was so touched by that. And, and you know what I'd love to see? I would love to see those of you who have instruments that you played maybe in high school or you still get out and play every once in a while. I, I think it would be fantastic to get together and maybe once a month, or but we could practice during the week or whatever, or and have a, a small orchestra or something where we could do some of that. I think it'd be fantastic if any of you have that and uh, still get it out and play every once in a while, and uh, I think it'd be great, but that guy, what a talent he had on that saxophone, and was, it just reminded me, you know, we ought to do something like that, and uh, use some of the talent that we've been gifted with for God's glory. There's all kinds of people that use that for their own glory, and to make their money, and fame and fortune, and God's the one that's gifted them with that, that ability. Let's use it to honor and glorify Him. So anyway, you give that some thought, and let me know if you're interested in anything like that, and, and uh, I think it'd be a truly a blessing. So we're in uh, Galatians chapter 4. We've been looking at the, the theme over the entire book, the declaration, a declaration of freedom, and He even warned me, they're, they're doing the walls of Jericho. So I think that just made the walls crumble. 
It just gave me a heart attack. <laughs> okay. Wow. <clears throat> All right. I've been running with the, the police officers too much here lately. I'm just paranoid about everything, you know? I'm like, and then I, my first thought is, what did Tyler do? And he's down here, you know? All right. Anyway, I hope the walls of Jericho fell for them while they... Uh, uh, Tom, you might want to check the other classroom later to make sure that wall hasn't fallen in too. So, all right. Anyway, we back to this now. <clears throat> but a declaration of freedom. In chapters 3 and 4, we're seeing Paul giving us a, a defense of the gospel. And, uh, and, and truly, a defense of the gospel, the, the best way of defense is the practicality of the gospel and what it does in people's lives, and, and how uh, it's the gospel that changes people. And, and uh, in this, I mean, you, you have the outline in front of you. We won't go over all of those, but, but uh, we, we get to, um, we, last week we were uh, looking at the first part of, well, I guess the middle part of chapter 4, and, and uh, uh, what child are we? Are we a child of God or or a child of bondage, or a child of carnality, and but now we get in, and we're going to finish up this chapter, so I will hurry, but in this, we're going to see that how the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about a relationship rather than religion, and and I, I uh, sometimes I'm very cautious of using the idea of a relationship without explaining to you what it means to have a relationship with our Savior. Well, first of all, if we are to have any association with our God and, and be able to go to Him in prayer and to, to be able to go boldly to His throne and to be able to know and, and, and call out to Him as our Father, then we need to go the way that He has instructed us, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And to have a relationship then with Christ and to have a relationship with God, then we need to come to them on their terms, His terms. And His terms is that we as a sinner full of sin, absolutely no hope in ourselves, to humbly come to ourselves, to, to come to Him, come to the realization of ourselves and who we are, and come to Him humbly looking to Him for the forgiveness of our sins, to, to relieve us of the burden of our sins, realizing that we can't do it ourselves. And it's only through Christ that we have forgiveness. And so we come to him, and, and why do we look to him? Because he's the one that took the wrath of God by dying on the cross for the sins of the world. It was there that he showed us that he's God himself by having been buried because he was dead and, and pronounced dead and was dead and put him into that, in, into that tomb. And there they rolled the door in front of the door, the, the stone in front of the door. And it was there three days later that he, being God, rose from the dead. No one else could do that but God. And God rose from the dead. And he did so to show us that we can be justified when we call upon Christ. Trust Him as our Savior with all of our faith, with all of our hope, with all of our trust. We call upon Him to save us. When we do so, with that humble heart, that transparency, 
that realization that we cannot do it in ourselves at all, that begins the relationship that we have with our God through Jesus Christ. And it's the only way. That is the gospel presented to you. That is what God talks about that we must obey. We need to obey the gospel. We need to quit trusting in other things. We need to, because you find here that religion is trusting everything else other than God for your salvation. And that's what we'll see. The Judaizers that had come in and infiltrated into this church and, and, and these fellow Jews and fellow Gentiles that had come in and had trusted Christ as their Savior were now being taught, look, you can't be saved by just trusting in Christ as your Savior. You must do these things in order to be saved. Well, some of the Galatians had started following that. And they had started turning away from their faith and were starting to think that they had to add all of these other things and do all of these other things in order to please God and became very legalistic in what they were doing in order to be saved. You must do this, 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 and this. Well, Paul is going to condemn that and we're going to see that. And he's going to give us a contrast between relationship and religion. What do you have today? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you have a relationship with God the Father that through what you have done with Christ by trusting in Him and and accepting what He has done as a gift and, and trust in that saving work of Christ that you can then go boldly to that throne of God and know that He is listening to you and, and, and wants to hear from you and will meet the needs that you have, will guide you and direct you in obedience and in truth and, and will, will uh, 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 provide whatever it is that you have in a need. Do you have that kind of a relationship with Him? Or is yours always about, I must do, do, do in order to make my God happy? I did see something the other day, and, and actually there are a few good things on social media, but I think the statement was somewhat, religion would be, oh man, I messed up, my dad's going to kill me. That's religion. Relationship is, oh man, I messed up, I need to tell dad. Make, it, make sense to you? That is exactly the difference between religion and relationship. There are many that would be legalists that would say, unless you are doing all of this whole list, whatever the list may be, whether it was to, to observe the Mosaic law of the Judaizers of the time, or whether it be the, 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 the list of, of, of the, that Catholicism has given us, or it's the list that Mormonism has given us, or it's the, the list of uh, of, of the, the Amish that have given us or, or the list of any other cult that may be out there, whatever or whatever religion it might be. And you must do all of these lists in order to uh, please and, and honor God. And, and hopefully if you do enough on this list that God will look at that and say, yes, I will allow you into heaven. You will never make it by doing that. And Paul wants you to know that through his word. That, that God has inspired and, and given to us today. And so he, t- he starts off, and I, and I love this, in, in the relationship that, that he deals with, that we have with our Savior, it also brings a relationship that we have with one another. 
And, and here it shows us this. It says, brethren, so he's talking to those that know Christ. I beseech you, I'm urging you, I'm, I'm compelling you to do these things. Be as I am. And, and, and this is a command. And, and here he is, he's telling them, look, I want you to be like I am spiritually. I want you to understand that prior to salvation that, that I was under the law, but now I am free from the law. Be like I am. Live as I am. Look, he was the Jew of all Jews. He, he was one that was of the prime stock. He was the one that was the, the, the Pharisee and, and teacher of the law and, and had all of the credentials that you would need to, to be a great Judaizer. And here he says, I left all of that. I left all of that behind. And so I want you to be like I am. For I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. You know, I, I gave thought to that. And, and I know I speculate a little on trying to figure out what, what, it, what Paul was meaning by this because there, there really isn't a, a complete understanding because he doesn't go into to a lot of detail with this. But if you remember, this is uh, when he's uh, coming in here, he's coming in here for, uh, probably his, uh, visiting with them for the second time. And if you remember, the first time that he went into Galatia and went into that area, do you remember what happened to him? While he was in Iconium, I believe it was, that he went in and he's preaching the gospel and there were some that were saved and it disturbed the Jews of the day and they got mad and they drung him outside the city gates and it was there that they stoned him and left him in the ditch for dead. And so now here he is writing back to these believers that he risked his life for and came to the point where he almost died and he's writing to them once again and now he says, you've not injured me at all. Now, there's a couple of things here that we need to realize that he risks his life for them. They have, we already know this in chapters 1 and 2, that they have tried to injure him by injuring his testimony, by slandering him, by turning away from him, by, by, by listening to the false accusations that have been made by him. And, and so then... Here he is coming back in, thinking, you know, he may die again, but it doesn't matter. He's writing to them. He's encouraging them. He says, you haven't injured me at all. And I think of that, how, how, often, how often are we hurt and discouraged and disappointed by other people? And we turn our backs on them. I mean, I'm one of the world's worst, and I shouldn't be this way. Uh, like I've told you, if you ever get deleted out of my phone, you know you've done messed up, you know? And, and so you've been erased, you know? You just erased, and it's like you delete you out of the phone, and you're just deleted out of my memory. And, and, and I'll see you in heaven, and until then, I don't care to see you. And I don't need to be that way. I don't. But, but you know, as, a, as Sunday school, that's just the way I am, right? No. Uh, you guys missed that if you wasn't here for that. So, but anyway, but here he says, you have not injured me at all. And, and you know what I think? I think he, he can run through all the memories. He can run through all the memories of the severe stoning that he had taken. He can think about the slander that has been promoted against him. He can think about all the injustices that have been dealt out to him by these people. He said, it doesn't bother me doesn't bother me. You know that last song, the last hymn that we sang, I know whom I have believed, 
You know, that was some of the parting words of Paul before he was sent to die for his faith. And, and, and what, what a promotion of faith that Paul gave us in that hymn. And so here, I think that, that you know what we're seeing here? We're seeing a part of the kind of relationship that we ought to have with one another. I believe this is the kind of relationship that, that a pastor ought to have uh, with his people. I, I believe that this is the, the, the kind of thing that, that uh, God wants us to have and, and, and be willing, as he said in 2 Corinthians, he was, he was talking to the, the Corinthians, and, and uh, I, I can't remember the, the, the verse now. I don't know if I wrote it down anywhere or not, but uh, in 2 Corinthians where, where Paul said, I'm happy to be spent for you and, and, and to be completely exhausted, to wear myself out, to die in, in the process of, of helping you along the way, I do believe that we ought to have that kind of relationship, first of all, with our Savior. Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do, wherever it is you want me to go, whatever it is that in this world you want me to give up, I'm willing to walk away from all of those things, and I am willing to give my life for you. There are too many that I believe are sitting around and we are very selfish with who we are and what, what we spend our time with and how we want to define ourselves rather than allowing God to define us. And we need to be willing to give God everything and be spent of Him. Let's spend time and, and let's make sure that the priority is spending time on that which is eternal. And here we see that Paul was giving us exactly that. He said, For uh, brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. You have not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. So not only was he beaten severely, <clears throat> but we also see that he had some kind of an illness. I don't know what it was at this time. I don't know if it's the one that he prayed for God to deliver him from three times, and God said, I'm not going to take it away from you, but it's in your weakness that I, I will show myself strong, and, and, and my grace is sufficient for thee, and, and all of that. I don't know if that was it or, or if this was another situation, but here we see that, that whatever the infirmity of the flesh was, that he preached the gospel unto you at the first. We see the motivation. We, we see how he's driving this relationship and, and how he loves them. And, and you know, that, that, that verse would probably be good to preach in our Bible colleges today for the, for the young bucks that are coming out and, and, and they get a hangnail and they think, what am I going to do on Sunday? I can't preach today. Or, so they cancel church or, I don't know, let their wife preach the message or whatever else, you know, that might be out there and, and, and realize that, you know what? There are times where your back may hurt or your legs may hurt, your knee may hurt. I remember doing Chad and Jamie's uh, funeral, their, their wedding. I don't know if you remember this, Chad. I had just had knee surgery, and, and, and I was sweating profusely. Like, you should have been, but I was the one sweating, you know? And, and, and you know, but there, there comes a time where, and whether it's physical or, or whatever, there are times... If we are going to build a relationship with one another, there is some discomfort. There is some points in our lives where we are uncomfortable in, in making this kind of a relationship. 
There are things that we reveal about ourselves that maybe you don't necessarily want to reveal. Like what I did a few weeks ago, that was not very easy. But it, it was one of those things where God lays on your heart and you open yourself up. And when you do so, yes, you might open yourself up to some real issues where, where people judge or do other things. It doesn't matter. But if we're going to have the kind of relationship and we're going to have the kind of church body that God wants us to have, we need to be real. And we need to work at this. And we can't be so easily offended over everything that goes on. And so don't be the snowflakes of the politicians, right? But here we have the, Paul's love for them. We also see that they reciprocated that back. And my temptation, my testing, my trial, whatever it was that God was allowing that was in his flesh, ye despise not. You, you didn't... You, you didn't take no account of that or, or you didn't consider it not nor uh, rejected and, and, and by that you rejected by, by loathing him and in, in what he was doing and, and what was going on in his life, whatever the infirmity may be, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. I, I, I love this. I, I love the, the guest speakers that we have in. I try not to have a whole bunch of them in I'm very selfish, try to be very selfish with Sunday morning pulpit. Just don't like to do that. But like Brother Stark, I mean, 82 years old, you know, this year, and goes out of here whistling, you know? I mean, praising the Lord for Platte Valley Baptist Church. Gary Norris loves Platte Valley Baptist Church. Prays for them continually. Dr. Curalo, when he was able to be here, and still today, thankful for this church body. I, I saw Dr. Shetler out at school uh, uh, in California a couple of weeks ago. He made a point to come over and, and, and you know, shake my hand and say, hey, it was so exciting, you know, to see you here. And, and, and then talked about the church and still, again, what a blessing we were to him and how he wants to get back and, and, and those kinds of things. And, and you know why the, the, the people are, are like that is because of the love that we show them. It's not just the money. But it is the, the showing of them that we care about them, that we treat them well, that we, you know, Dwight and Paul love coming here. Uh, you know, Brother Dwight told me, he said, Pastor, he said, if, if every church that we go into would just understand what your church family does. And, and he said, how much more could be accomplished if every church could understand that? And so I, I praise the Lord for what we have as a church body. Never, ever take that for granted. Guard it constantly because Satan hates that. The, the, he hates the unity that a church has and he hates the, the, the unity that we can have together to go out and, and, and put a spear into to, to this community with the gospel and see lives changed and, and families uh, restored and, and, and God doing a marvelous work in people's lives. And, and he does that all through this type of relationship. And here uh, we see that this love was reciprocated back and forth. Paul loved them. But he said, you love me also. You received me as an angel of God, even uh, receiving me as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you spake of? Where is this praise? 
where, is these, where are the blessings that, that, that were there when I came in and I told you and I preached to you the truth? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. And that's, that's pretty precious love, isn't it? But then look what he says. Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. You know, I'll tell you, one of the hardest things, one of the hardest things in the ministry is in, in, in counseling is, and it's always, it's always a challenge, but you always got to do it, is you always have to tell people the truth. It might not be what they want to hear. And a lot of times it's not what they want to hear. As a matter of fact, many times you you have to, in, in counseling, you have to kind of dig under and, and get into the root of the problem because many times what counseling is is they want to come and justify their behavior and they want you to justify it with them and accept it. And you know, the, and this is for all of us. We can justify it in our mind all day long, but the Holy Spirit in your heart, you're not going to lie to him. You're not going to lie to him. And the best thing you can do is just be truthful and honest. And, and we always need to do that all the time. And here, there are times when people become your enemy because you tell them, let us not have that kind of a relationship. My daughter was telling me uh, of some of the drama that they've had in their girls' dorms. I couldn't imagine any drama in a girl's dorm. Yeah. <clears throat> but she told me that she had had a friend that had gotten upset with her. And I said, yeah, and I talked to her about it. And this young lady who's a friend of Kara's came to her and said, hey, there's some things you need to do differently. And I'm not very happy with the way you're acting. And Kara told me that. And she said, and she was right. And we got things right. And I got things right. And I said, you should always be thankful for a friend that will tell you that. She has enough character to show you that she loves you and wants the right thing in your life. And it's the same way. Look, I'm not perfect by any means. God's word is. And when I stand up here and proclaim the truth of God's word, it's not that, you know, there are some times where, believe me, I can preach something and, and, and I'm thinking of someone special, you know, and thinking, woohoo, we get to skin this guy today. You know what usually happens when you get to that passage? That person that needs it isn't there. You know, and so you just think, okay, Lord, it's not for them, it's for me, right? And so, but I'm always getting skinned. And so I have no, no compassion for the rest of you because I've gotten it all week long. And so share, share the wounds, right? But here, don't ever let someone that tells you the truth become your enemy, and if somebody is in your heart or in your life that is speaking and, and trying to convince your heart that this person that is telling you the truth is your enemy, then you need to realize and sit back and realize who really is the enemy and, and what are they doing to your life. And, and so because here, they zealously affect you. 
And, and so they are. I mean, they are zealous about changing your mind and convincing you that this is what you ought to do, but they do so, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you. Here's what they do when they try to convince you that, that the truth is not the good thing and that you need to be doing these things over here, then pretty soon they ostracize you from those that love you and want to tell you the truth. And they're going to hide that. And they're going to keep you away from that. And so be careful with that. I, I mean, you, and I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not in a counseling session here, but be careful with those friends that do that, that swarm you and dominate everything about you and then start leading you in, in a different direction. Be careful with that. Let's not let it happen in our church body either. And so let's, let's be guarded. And so then he says, but it is good to be zealously affected. I agree, Paul. I think that we need to be passionate about what we believe. I believe we ought to be passionate about the relationship that we have with one another. I mean, I think that we ought to, when we tell someone that we love them, that we truly do love them to the best of our ability. And that when we pray for them, we're praying for them. And, and that we'll do whatever it is that we need to do to help them and, 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 and be there and, and be that kind of a church body. This is far more than just coming together on a Sunday morning and worshiping God and hearing from His Word and, and, and changing a few things in our lives. This is about coming together and worshiping our Lord and hearing the Word of God and applying it to our lives and then walking together as a unity and as a body of Christ that is going to make an impact in all the world. That's all we need to be doing. And we need to care about those that, that aren't here. Look, it, it's to a point now where, where I struggle to remember everybody's names. And your kids, forget it. I'm sorry. It just, I got kids on my quam bus and I still don't know their names. You know, it's you, you, and you, you know. And, and but I'm doing my best, trying to, trying to figure those things out. But you might be sitting somewhere, you guys are Baptists, and so there are people that sit around you the same all the time. And you look around and you say, hey, so-and-so's gone today. I wonder where he's at. Well, I may never even notice. Call them. Shoot them a text. Say, hey, we missed you. Let them know that we really do care. Look, you ever given thought that if everybody that comes was here today, we would have to put up another hundred chairs. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> but we would. And so we need to be busy. We need to be busy about, and, and those things make us uncomfortable. Those things cause discomfort. Those things take time out of our already busy schedule. But it's things that we ought to do because it's about a relationship. It's about a relationship that we have with our Savior and that is reciprocated to those around us that also know Christ as their Savior, and we need to build a relationship with them. And then you also need to go out and build a relationship with those that are in the world. Be careful what kind of relationship that is, but we do need to build that. And we need to spend time with people and show them that we truly do care. It's amazing. Christianity is totally opposite of what society teaches. Truly. And it ought to be different. But they, it is good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing, and not only when I'm present with you. My little children, 
of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. The, the struggles that Paul had helping these people grow, he said he compared it to a lady that's having childbirth. He said, it pains me. It pains me to watch you go through things and make bad decisions or do things that are wrong and here to be led astray by those that aren't telling you the truth. It pains me to watch those things. I, I am concerned about you. And, and you, think about, you think about a mother's love. Look, you know, I've always said that if guys had to have kids, every family would only have either one or zero. You know, because if you were there to watch your brother have one, you'd be like, mm-mm, it ain't happening. You know? But I think about a mother's love to go through what they go through and still love that little chump when he comes out. Oh, I, I can't imagine. You know, you you watch some of those, some of you guys are ranchers, you know, and you watch those cows have that big hefty calf and you got to help pull it out. What's the first thing she wants to do? Lick it. You know, I'd want to eat it. You know, <laughs> throw it aside. Look at all the, but you think about, think about it. The mother's love that she has for that child is the kind of love that he had for the Galatians. That's amazing to me. We don't have much of that in our churches anymore. We don't have that from our pulpits anymore. We have guys that would rather be rock stars and be famous and make their millions on their books or making millions on their hair mousse or, or whatever else that they want to endorse and, and, and do those things. Rather, they need to be willing to give themselves to their people. Because that's what God wants them to do. And so I, I can't stand those that preachers, there was some preacher I read about that as soon as he would preach, he would leave. And he made the statement is because I didn't want to hear them giving me accolades of how well I preached and so I didn't want to have to deal with the pride. You know, you know I'm, I'm sorry, but if you're a shepherd, you're going to smell like the sheep. <clears throat> and we need to have that. And so here we see that Paul made that statement. And he said, I desire to be present with you now. Oh, how I want to be with you right now and to change my voice. For I stand in doubt of you. I am questioning what in the world is going on with you. I am perplexed at these things that are happening. And kind of like Pastor Graham used to tell me, he said when he was in, in, in the old Corps, the old Marine Corps, when he was in basic training, he said he had a had, had, had the drill sergeant that would say, son, do you need to cut me to come in the middle of there and talk to you by hand? Well, that's what Paul was saying. Do I need to come and talk to you by hand? Do I need to get your attention? What is this? I want you to know that you might be able to read this in the writing, but if I was there, I'd change my voice with you right now. I'd talk to you by hand. <clears throat> but now we go on. And now we see that contrast. And I'll read quickly, and this, this isn't going to take long anyway. He says, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Do you, do you not really give thought to what you have to do in this law? I mean, how many of you are reading through the Bible once a year? 
How many of you waited through Leviticus here just a while back? You know, February is not my favorite month in the reading through the Bible because Leviticus, I just, I struggle with that. I mean, I, and I know that they all point to Christ and, and, and praise the Lord for that. But I think, man, I would never get anything done. I'd be killing everything around me. I would. I mean, well, there's a dove. Grab that thing. You know, here we go. There's a, whose pig is this? I need a pig, right? You know, no, it wasn't a pig. Sheep. You know, I need a sheep. I, I, a pig. That's bad, wasn't it? <clears throat> the American theology, right? No, sheep. Whose who's loose sheep was this? You know, I looked at Rod. That's what it was. And he sells pigs, you know, and my, you know, show pigs. And here we are. But anyway, uh, here, here I am, you know, and, and it'd be constant. I mean, there wouldn't be anything alive around there, you know, if you did find one and, and you think, well, put that thing in a cage. I'm going to need it tomorrow, you know, or, or whatever. And, and I think about all of the laws and, and here he, he and he said, you're, you're wanting to listen to these people that are saying that you need to get back under the law. Have you not read what has been said in Leviticus and in the Torah? Do you not pay attention to that? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. Who was that? Who was, who was the one by the bondwoman? Anyone remember the boy's name? Ishmael. All right, who was the one by the free woman? Isaac. All right, good. Got to wake you up a little bit. I was told that, and I've known this for years and years now, that Sunday mornings after the stupid time change, you're going to deal with people falling asleep in their seat. They're going to be cranky and irritable. And so we're just trying to get your mind engaged again, all right? And so here you had two sons. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Now remember, the law represents the flesh. What can we do in the flesh to please God? What does he say in the Scripture? Nothing. Nothing. You can do nothing in the flesh to please God. And so here, the law represents the flesh and your inadequacy in pleasing God because they couldn't keep it. There was no way. That they're able to do it all. And so here, Ishmael represents that. Isaac represents the free, the, 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 the grace that God gives us. I, uh, Ishmael represents the law. And he says, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which is the Mosaic law. Which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar. The law, all it has ever done is bring people under bondage. Look, still today, still today, legalism. Legalism is adding anything to the gospel for your salvation. Any kind of a work to the gospel is legalism, and it is bondage. And you find those that teach that, and they teach that you must do this in order to be saved other than just believe and trust in the gospel, it becomes a work and it brings you under bondage, whatever it may be. Think about it. Think about the things that people do in order to think that this is going to please God. 
And we must do this. And it holds them under bondage to where then ultimately what it comes down to, they no longer look to the grace that is freely given to them through Christ who died on the cross, but rather they are looking at their flesh and what they must do to be saved. And they must have, and then they make this list of all these things that they must do to be saved. And it holds them under bondage. And that's just exactly what he's saying. For this is Agar in Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with their children. He said, look, those, those Jews in Jerusalem that are still teaching that, those that have come into your church body and are teaching that, they are under bondage. Why do you want to go back to that? I am perplexed in you thinking that you must do all of these things. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. That new Jerusalem, that new city, that freedom that is given to us in eternity by having trusted Christ as our Savior and Christ only, all that that is entailed in that and all of my salvation and the eternal life that God has given me, that is what we're talking about. That is the freedom that we have in the gospel. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren, that bearest not. This is talking about Sarah. Remember Sarah? Couldn't have a child. And God said, I'll give you a child. And Sarah laughed. Remember? And so then we know that way past the age, she has this child. And so rejoice, thou barren, that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Oh, there's a time where, and, and whenever they were given the law, that there were many that were under the law. But, oh, Sarah, you don't understand in the freedom that I have given and through Jesus Christ and through that seed that is going to make your husband the, the father of many nations, that there is going to be far more of those that have trusted Christ than those that are going to live under the law. Because those that live under the law are not going to make it to heaven. And they're not going to be a child of God. Oh, how we need to look and understand the freedoms that we are given. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. (laughs) I would much rather for all of us to realize and understand that my salvation is based on His promises rather than my works. Because it doesn't matter how good you might try to get, you still fail. And you're never going to be good enough. It's only by God's grace that we are forgiven. Because of His love that drove Jesus Christ to that cross. And it's through Him that we truly have freedom from the bonds that hold us. What a joy it is to be a child of God. But as then he was born and but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Isn't that the truth? I mean, and we're gonna see that later on too, that the flesh is constantly fighting with the spirit, and also there will always be an incompatibility between law and grace, between religion and relationship. People ask me sometimes, why, why don't you fellowship with, with the other churches around? 
I, I had a guy come to me one time and, and wanted us to have a, uh, a community prayer time with all of the preachers in, in Morgan County, or at least in Fort Morgan. And so I started naming off some of the churches that teach salvation by works. I said, do we pray with them? Oh, I think we should. Are they a child of God? Now, I'm not trying to be harsh here. I want everybody to know where I stand in this. And, and in my own mind, he says, well, I'm not sure. I'm saying if someone trusts in their works for salvation, they're not saved. And I need to tell them the truth. I am not going to sit down with someone who disagrees with the Bible and who disagrees with the truths of it, and me and him or me and her pray together wanting God's blessings on both of us. I want that person to be saved. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. And so it does as far as it went. And look, we need to tell people the truth. And even if we become their enemy, we still need to tell them the truth. Because first and foremost, we love the Lord and His Word. And we are to adhere to that. And then past that, we need to love people enough to tell them the truth. And let them make that decision. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Pretty harsh, isn't it? That's the way it is. It will not work. Relationship or religion. You can't have both. It doesn't work. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. But of the free. Oh, what a joy and a privilege it is to be a child of God. That we can go straight to our Father as a child of God. And we can go to Him boldly as an heir of all that He has given us. And find the peace and the satisfaction that comes through the forgiveness that Jesus Christ gives us. And so he looks at them, and he writes to them, and he says, I'm perplexed. I am perplexed at why in the world, with all that you have and the freedoms that you have as a child of God, that you would ever want to go under that legalistic teaching. Why? Why would you? What Christ has done is worth dying for. So where are you at? I pray that everyone that is sitting here can give a biblical testimony of their salvation. If you can't give a biblical testimony of your salvation, I would, I would dare say that God would be convicting you now, showing you that you need to call on him today. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Confess with your mouth that which you believe in your heart, and God saves you. It is that simple, and it is that easy. I've had people come and say, Pastor, I don't know if I did this right or not. 
I, you know, I had this little kid come and, and say, hey, I'm a sinner, and I need to ask Jesus to be my Savior. And they prayed and asked Jesus to be their Savior and come into their heart and save them of their sins. And did I do everything right? It's not you, pal. It's in that little kid's heart. And by faith, that child trusted Christ as their Savior. Praise the Lord for that. It is that simple. Don't walk out of here today without knowing for a fact that Jesus Christ is your Savior. That's when freedom is truly experienced. And that's what we want for everybody. That's what brings the unity that we need to make a difference in all the world. Let's pray. Father, I do. Pray as the Holy Spirit is searching the hearts. I pray that he's welcome in all of our lives. Lord, I pray that you will search the hearts of those that have questions, have doubts, or even are certain that if they were to die today, they would be in a forever existence without God. And that, Father, today, they would come to you, humbly trusting in you, forgetting the things that they have been taught, forgetting the ritualisms that they've had in their lives, whatever, whatever has been brought about, I pray that you will show them the truth through your word and that today they would trust you. And Father, I pray for the believers that are sitting here today. Maybe they know you as their Savior, but there's some sin that they have swept under the rug and they're thinking that they can continue in their life the way they're going and all things will be okay. But Father, we know there's a day of reckoning. We know that there's, if there's hidden sin in our lives that you're not pleased with us, our prayers are hindered, our fellowship has been cut off, and our relationship with you isn't what it needs to be. Help us, Lord, to be humble enough today to realize that the number one priority in our life is that relationship that we have with you, and that we shouldn't let anything hinder the fellowship that we need. Lord, I pray that you help us to get rid of that, whatever it may be. And help us to have the relationship that is honoring to you. I pray whatever needs to be done, we do our part as we sing this hymn. Then you will be honored and glorified in what takes place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.